to the Ardella Training Podcast, the authority in OBS strength and conditioning, where we're dedicated to bringing you cutting-edge topics in kettlebells, barbells, and bodyweight training to take your results to the next level. Now, here's your host, the scientist of strength, Scott Ardella. Hey, this is Scott, and thanks for joining me on this episode of the Ardella Training Podcast. In this episode, you're going to learn everything you need to know about getting started with sprinting and how sprinting fits into your strength training approach. This is really, really interesting stuff. This is like the cutting edge of fitness and performance training. And I was fortunate to be able to speak with Franz Snydman, who is the creator of Primal Speed. You're going to hear all about that in this interview, and you're going to get some really useful, practical uh, tips and information that you can use to take action with immediately after this interview. And if you want to continue your own learning as far as sprint training and techniques, you're going to learn how you can get started with that as well. This is really, really cool stuff. And I can tell you that I learned a lot during this interview. So I would definitely recommend uh, getting out your notepad and pen and taking down some notes because this is very useful information. And that was the whole goal of this interview. And Franz is a really great guy. As a matter of fact, this is really cool. Franz is the first person that I've had as a repeat uh, guest on the show. I had, if Some of you may know that I had a, a previous podcast and Franz was one of the first guys that I interviewed uh, way back when I started this. So Franz is now coming back and to do this interview around sprint training and his new venture, which is Primal Speed. And you're going to, again, learn everything you need to know about sprint training, which is really, really cool stuff. So we're going to get right into that. Let me give you a little bit of history on Franz before we get started. Uh, Franz is the uh, founder and master instructor of Primal Speed. As a matter of fact, it's him and his brother that uh, created Primal Speed. Franz is a senior Strong First kettlebell instructor, and he is a functional movement specialist. He's also a Primal Move national instructor and co-owner of Revolution Fitness Studios in La Jolla, California. Franz is a former competitive sprinter, and he's going to tell you a little bit about that in the opening of the interview. And he has many other notable credentials, uh, background, and training experience. And if you want to learn more about Franz, you can go to his website, which is primalspeed.net, and find out more about sprint training and all the stuff that we're going to talk about in this interview. So, with that, let's get started in this interview and learn some really cutting-edge information about sprint training and how this applies to strength training and strength athletes. Today I'm on the line with Franz Snydman, one of the creators of Primal Speed. And in this interview, you'll learn all about the benefits of sprinting and how this can fit into your training approach. Franz, thanks for being here today, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a really cool interview, and I'm definitely excited to learn about sprinting. But before we talk about that, it would be great if you could share kind of your brief um, history and interest in sprinting and how you got started personally. Yeah, sure. I, uh, I've, I've been athletic my whole life. At least I'd like to think I, I have been. Um, I was a basketball player, soccer player throughout high school. And, and, and to make a long story short, at the end of high school, around my junior year, track coach asked me to come out for track. I've never run track in my life, and uh, I'd, been, I'd been playing soccer and tennis. And uh, I actually ended up winning uh, a district championship, first race ever. I went to state, and I kind of figured out that I had a natural aptitude towards it. And the next year, I actually trained and took it seriously, ended breaking uh, the 100-meter and the 200-meter record at my school. And, um, and then I, I went on to run a couple of years of college track. So I, I was hooked once I actually figured out that I, one, I was good at it. And two, I just enjoyed the, that feeling of just flying down the track. It was really, I've never experienced that in any sport 
and um, it obviously helps when you're naturally good at something. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. But yeah, yeah. With that being said, I did have to work a lot, and I did have to train a lot to, you know, to get my times down. And uh, now, at you know, I turned 40 this year. I'm, I'm just as excited about sprinting as I was when I was 17. And um, you know, the rest is history. I mean, I'm, I'm a kettlebell instructor, and I coach strength, but my passion is sprinting. Awesome. You know, it, what I'm really interested to learn about, you know, obviously, there's a lot of questions I have for you relating to primal speed, but you mentioned being a kettlebell instructor, and we're going to get to that. But how does sprinting fit into kettlebell training and, and strength training? But uh, again, before we talk about that, let's talk about primal speed. And I'll just let you explain what exactly is primal speed and, and who is primal speed designed for? Those are great questions, Scott. Uh, Primal Speed was designed by my brother and I. I have an identical twin brother named Keith Snydman out of Arizona, out of Phoenix. And it was really our mission with Primal Speed was to teach everybody, not even the athlete, the common person, how to sprint. Um, Our experience with sprinting in the fitness industry and in athletics is that it's been pretty much confined to one corner. It's been kind of like for soccer players or NFL guys or, you know, baseball guys. But there really has never been, to my knowledge, there's never been a company or an organization that is going after the masses. Yeah. Because our experience is, oh, that's great. You know, sprinting, that's for the Olympic guys. That's for, that's for, you know, that's for everybody else. And that, that is, so our entire mission of, of Primal Speed was saying, hey, we want to teach people how to sprint one because it's a form of human locomotion, crawling, yeah. walking, jogging, skipping. It, it, if you take the, the moral issue out of it, it's just a form of movement. Now, it's on one end of the continuum. Right? Yeah. You've, got, you've got crawling and rolling on one end, and you've got sprinting at the opposite end. Right. But it doesn't mean it's not as valid. Uh, what's happened is that because of our – I just think the way that we live our lives, we don't really need to sprint anymore. But that doesn't mean it shouldn't be a viable option for people. So our goal was our, our, our actual our, our our tagline is better health and movement by using sprinting, right? Yeah. I mean that's yeah. it, it, it's better health and movement through sprinting. So it's more of a health based approach. Yeah. It's not necessarily a performance based. However, with that being said, you can get tremendous performance gains. But our our umbrella was we want to make it more of a health based. Take the injury out of it. Right. Take the you know take 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 a lot of the risk out of it, and use it as just a viable uh, terms of movement and or or form of movement for the masses. I mean, obviously not for people who've got like knee replacements or somebody that weighs sure. 500 pounds. But the average person that's fairly healthy, uh, you you would be surprised how well they can sprint when you just teach it to them. So it, it, it's definitely a skill. Right. But it's it's a health based approach, Scott. It's a health based approach. Okay. So you talked about kind of the the one end of the spectrum with uh, let's assume that someone on the call knows about primal moves. So the rolling, crawling, you know, those fundamental movement patterns. Do does a person need to have those fundamentals before they progress to sprinting techniques? I mean, I would say they don't necessarily need to have it. But they're gonna they're they're gonna be much better off for it if they can crawl well if they can roll well if their basic movement skills are good. Um, I do not recommend that people pick up sprinting if they don't just move and crawl well. Um, one of the things that I'm really excited about was that uh, one of one of the guys you just interviewed, Peter Lakatos, who yes. is the is the he's the director and the basically the entire creator of Primal Move. I was able to license uh, my material to him. So I teach a certification for him called Primal Move Velocity. But it's based on the assumption that you've already done the, the foundational work. You can crawl. You can move. You, you, right. you have a generally a very good map yeah. and understanding of your body. So definitely that's, that's – I think that's better. There are a lot of athletes that have probably never done crawling or rolling and they still sprint okay. That's just because they've gotten – specifically good at the skill of sprinting with that being said i will say that um when i notice a lot of these primal move coaches that i've trained in the system and in in the sprinting system very few of them have had any sprinting background at all and after a day certification they're all sprinting really well 
what's the one thing they wow. have in common? They all they all crawl really well. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was kind of weird. I looked over at Peter. I said, you know, none of these people have any sprinting background. Why are they Why are they sprinting well? And he right. looked over to me. and says, Well, that's kind of interesting. He says, Have you noticed that they all crawl really well? Right. And I said, Huh. That's that's kind of an interesting concept. So I don't have any like double blind studies to say that it's going to make you a better sprinter. Yeah. In my experience, it certainly helps. Okay. It certainly helps. Are there any other key kind of um, prerequisites for sprinting? besides fundamental movement patterns and, and things that we've discussed? Well, I mean, you have, to have, you have to have a baseline level of strength, and this is where I think the strength component comes in. Because okay. sprinting itself, is, it, it is strength training. I mean, yeah, yeah it's power, it's, it's plyometric, it's elastic, but you do have to have strength to even hold your posture and to hold what we call the sprint position. Which yeah. is basically, you know, it's kind of a, like a slightly leaned over position from the ankle. Yeah. But you have to have enough strength in your legs and in your ankles to be able to keep your legs from collapsing. And that I would say is probably the most important prerequisite is one, do you have enough baseline strength yeah. to not collapse? Um, and typically what we do is people that really don't have the strength, you keep them in a lot of drills. Because the drills, and even some of the slower drills, yeah. they build up the strength and the specific capacity to be able to hold the position at higher speeds. Okay. But the but so but I mean I wouldn't say there's like anything specific that you have to do other than just not ha you know being seriously injured. Right. Um, right. And you can't like be fresh out of a knee replacement or a hip replacement. It might not be a good idea. <laughs> right. But somebody who's you know who, who can generally jog and run and yeah, you know, there's a big huge portion of the population that can sprint they just don't know it okay um they just yeah so they just haven't been exposed to these concepts okay so it sounds like strength you said you know the f fundamental movement and then joint mobility i would say also yeah yeah the, and, and and mobility is mobility is very important in sprinting but you don't need excessive i mean you really don't want to be hyper mobile or right. very very flexible to the point of like you know maybe like a yogi because um, that can actually be a detriment because if you don't have enough tension in your fascia or your connective tissue, yeah. sometimes you do need some stiffness right. in your legs. And, we, and, and, and a lot of sprint coaches will talk about, you know, kind of having like a, like this lower leg stiffness yeah. because if you have a really floppy ankle, it's not going to work. But with that being said, Scott, yes, you do need, you do need mobility in your ankles, in your yeah. hips in your thoracic spine, just like you would in any other form of athletic movement. Sure. Um, but yeah, you need enough. I wouldn't say you need too you know, much. More isn't always better. Right. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So what are the benefits? What are the big benefits of, of sprinting for a recreational exerciser? Wow, that is a that is a loaded question. <laughs> it's probably a long list of things I'm thinking, but kind of kind of top line. What are, what are the big benefits? Maybe maybe some of the benefits that people wouldn't necessarily think of with sprinting. You know, I, I think you know, I I mean, really, I mean, probably the best. I think the best benefit of it is the neurologic changes that it does to your body. So, I mean, if we're talking about the nervous system. And sprinting just being a form, an expression of movement. But nothing that the human body can do is going to stimulate the nervous system as much as sprinting. I mean, I mean, you're you're basically, I mean, that's as high on the list as like, you know, 150 kilo snatch overhead. I mean, yeah. to generate that kind of force to be able to get your body to run that fast, it, the changes are more neural. So for people that have really never been exposed to sprinting, they don't know how much they can get out of their body. Sprinting is going to teach your nervous system to use more of what you have. You've got 630-plus muscles in the body. I don't know what it is, 638, something like that. Yeah. Um, you engage all of them, and you engage all of them at a maximal level. Right. So for me, the return on investment for anybody learning to sprint is huge because they're basically tapping in to all their muscles. Not only that – they're tapping into what are called the high threshold motor fibers or your fast twitch fibers. Yep. And those are the fibers that are the most responsible. I mean, uh, the, they are responsible for power. They are responsible for force production. They're also neurologically 
and biologically and, and physiologically, they're the hardest to recruit. They, 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 they suck up the most energy. And, but that's not necessarily bad because sprinting, as, as the definition is, it's not a marathon. So it doesn't matter yeah. if you blast your body for five to 10 seconds because it's so short. So the, the, the neural adaptations for getting people to sprint is insane because everything else in their life improves. Their strength improves. If they're joggers, they, they, they go back to jogging and jogging is like a joke compared yeah. to sprinting. Because right. on because on the neurologic ladder, you know, running an eight minute mile or a twelve minute mile, it, it, yeah, it's work. Yeah, but you don't have to produce a lot of force to 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 run twelve, you know, a twelve minute mile. You have to produce a lot of force to run, you know, five seconds or less in the forty meter. Right now, right. not that everybody's going to do that because because there is kind of a obviously a genetic component to sprinting, but everybody can benefit from teaching their body to use the muscle fibers that are the, are the most responsible for force and power. And right. you, Scott, as a kettlebell athlete, a swing is, you know, it's kind of like sprinting without having to sprint. Yeah. So, um, but, but again, and, and I love, I love kettlebells, but I use kettlebells as a means to get me better at being athletic, staying on your feet forever. Eventually it, it, it's not as athletic as actually moving and sprinting and jumping. So I see it as a means to get better at sprinting, but why not just actually sprint? Yeah. You use kettlebells, use barbells, use bodyweight stuff, but sprinting is it, it has not been a viable option for athletes. They, they know about it, they talk about it, but who's really doing it? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, if you if, right. if you if I mean, how many people do you know that are just out there like on a structured sprint program? Very few. Very few. Very few. Very few. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I kind of got off on a, on a tangent. <laughs> Let's talk this about orthopedic health, right? So the bones yeah. obviously get stronger. Yeah. There's a lot more force going into your body. Your tissue gets stronger. Your ligaments get stronger. Your tendons get stronger. So there's orthopedic reasons on top of the neural reasons. Okay. Um, and then let's just talk about fun. When you can yeah. sprint – you can play frisbee. You can play tag. You can you, you can enjoy your kids better. Yeah. Every sport you do, if you're equally as skilled as somebody else, if you are faster, you're you're going to dominate. Yeah. Period. Right. Dominate. Right. So speed from a performance standpoint is is unbelievable. Now let's talk from an aesthetic standpoint. I don't know about you. I've never seen a fat hundred meter sprinter or even a two hundred. They're ripped. Yeah. They're, yeah. They. they They've actually done research where they have taken the body fat levels of marathoners and sprinters, and sprinters have lower body fat levels, and they don't do a lot of endurance work, at right. least not in the, in, the, in, the, in the terms that we think about. So they have lower body fat levels, yeah. and they're not running marathons. So like obviously what they're doing is getting them leaner, yeah. and the physiques of a sprinter, I think it looks a lot healthier. You've got more muscle mass. Yep. You've got glutes, you know, you've, got, you've actually got a body that, that yeah. looks really good. But yeah. not only that, it actually performs really good. Right. So I would say those are the main reasons, right? Yeah. Neural yeah. health uh, and then hormonal health. A lot more testosterone, a lot more growth hormone. You can just, you know, just Google studies on that. I mean, it, yeah. it, that's a fact. Yeah. You, will, you will get more testosterone, more growth hormone. Those are the fountain of youth hormones. I can't see why anybody would not want to have that kind of floating through your bloodstream. So yeah, that's awesome. what I would say about that. Yeah. I mean, those are, that's exactly what I was hoping for is thing. You know, those are things that I don't think people typically think of when they think about sprinting. I mean, but those are the real benefits, the real hidden benefits of sprinting methods. Huge. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah but so, I mean, and, and, and here's another one. I mean, just, you know, we live kind of, uh, at least if you watch the news, I don't. I don't. I don't even have cable. No, but I don't we live in kind of a volatile world, and there's natural disasters, and you know, uh, mountain lions kill people and stuff, and cars are hitting people. Yeah. Without getting people too depressed, um, I would rather have speed than not, because being fast can save your life. Yeah. Right. If you need yeah. to go into a burning house and get something out, and you're slow, it could it could be the difference between life and death. Yeah. So to me, speed. I mean, Pavel always talks about at the at, at, at the strong first search, you know that that yeah. uh, that strong people are harder to kill. Yes, hundred percent agree with him. But yep. faster people are harder to kill as well, right? Right. So, right. So yep. it's, like, it's like why not be strong and fast? Yeah, because you can have both. Yeah, it's not you know it's not it's not it's not like oh I can only be strong. So 
It's just people aren't fast just because they don't do it. Right. They just it's just it's just from a lack of doing. Yeah. Interesting. So for for a, not for the athlete, but for the the recreational exerciser again, you kind of said that most people aren't sprinting again, and and I know that to be true too. I mean, I can't think of anyone that's going through a regular uh, sprint training program as part of their uh, training protocol. So, w- what do you recommend? Let and let, let's take me for an example. Okay, so here's a a, a kettlebell. Um, exerciser, hardcore kettlebell exerciser, what would you say that I should do as far as sprint training? Now, I, I kind of have, have my own ideas, but this is being someone that doesn't have the the background of training that you have with sprinting. So what would you say that, that I should do as far as sprint training? Sure. Well, obviously, it, it really depends on your goals. Because, I mean, if somebody's in the middle of, like, a powerlifting season, I yeah. would say, well, if you're a powerlifter, you may not want to introduce sprinting into your program right now. Right. Um, but if you're – I mean, I, if you're just generally training for – you know, maybe you're trying to get better uh, at kettlebell lifting or, you know, you want to you want to increase some of the numbers and some of the volume, I would say for somebody who's not in the middle of a competitive season right. and you're just, you know, like the average person – who just wants to be strong and wants to dabble in sprinting, I would say probably one to two times a week okay. of sprinting is going to be maximum. And even even starting with one is a very sustainable practice, right? Right. But with but with sprinting, we have to be very very careful. And this and and this maybe maybe it's good that a lot of people aren't sprinting right now because they would because their concept of sprinting is very different than my concept of sprinting. So I would say for you that less is more. Okay. Start the least amount possible. Keep the sessions very brief. And the first thing that I would start off with somebody like you, Scott, is that we would you would you would have to learn the mechanics, just as if you're going to learn the kettlebell swing. You don't start off by swinging the beast. You start off by doing a sumo deadlift. You start right. off by making sure your ankles move, your hip moves. Yeah. Do you understand neutral spine? Do you understand breath? It's the same thing. We take you. We teach you the mechanics of sprinting by kind of chopping up the body. What, one of the best ways to learn how to sprint is to just separate the upper body and lower body. And I do that by having people start with arm mechanics. So we'll literally, I'll have you sit down on your, uh, on the ground and we'll work on arm mechanics for five to 10 minutes. I'll get you on your knees. I'll get you into a tall kneeling position and you will learn to just use the arms and why? Cause the arms actually set up the entire cycle. Interesting. Unlike distance running, Distance running, you don't need your arms as much. In sprinting, you start with the arms. You start with the hands. Um, So for you, we we would actually go over mechanics because the mechanics are are what are going to allow you to just naturally progress into sprinting. Yeah. Now, with that said, if if I see that the mechanics are going fairly well, you're actually going to be doing some 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 very short acceleration, and that's where we kind of that's where we start is we don't start with max velocity speed. In fact, very few people really need that unless you're a competitive sprinter. Okay. This is what people need. You would need mechanic work. Then you need acceleration. And acceleration is 0 to 10 meters, 0 to 20, maybe 0 to 30 meters. That is, that is not unsafe. And why is it not unsafe? Because if your mechanics are good, and you're learning how to land underneath your body, you know how to hold the sprint position. When you accelerate 10 meters, 20 meters, you never get up to top speed. Most injuries occur at top speed, and most injuries occur during the eccentric portion of the, of the, of the gait cycle. So you don't, re, you don't get injured from pushing off. You get injured from landing. And okay. hamstrings and ask me, I'm, I, I, unfortunately, I've had my share of hamstring pulls, but it was before my mechanics were as good as they are now, that hamstring pulls are typically mechanics broken down. Something broke down in the mechanics, and they either overstrided, and, we, and when you overstride, you don't land underneath your body. And if you don't land underneath your body, you end up pulling the ground and snapping a hamstring. So... It's, I think what's amazing about the system that we have come up with is that it's so simple yeah. to just rewire the neurology to teach your body to land underneath your base of support. 
and I, and 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 my brother says this a lot. I think he learned this from um, there's a great coach in Canada named uh, named Derek Hansen. He's a super super smart guy. Yeah. But he says you you should you should sprint like you're running in a phone booth. Don't don't overextend yourself. Don't go too little. Don't go too far. Your only power in sprinting is just staying within your base of support. So trying to reach, trying to extend, trying to to, to actually do more than your body is capable, that's when injuries happen. Right. So right off the bat, you take the risk out because you 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 don't let people go to that area. You just wire them, you rewire them to just stay within their base of support. Injuries don't happen there, Scott. They just they just don't. People yeah. get injured when their form breaks down. Yeah. So with that being said, that's what you would start with. We would do lots of drills and then we would do very uh, kind of various starts and acceleration. And you would love that. It's super fun. Yeah. And people get exhilarated with that because they're like, oh my God, I'm actually sprinting. Like, this is insane. I never thought I could do this. <laughs> nice. But it is a skill and it's yeah. something that can be learned. Right. So that, that's, that's oh. where you would start. You would start with drills. Yep. You would start with acceleration work. Okay. And that's your session. And that's it. Okay. Yeah. So, so assuming someone has good mechanics, assuming I have good mechanics, then what, yeah. what, and, and now the distance starts to increase, um, mm-hmm. what percent effort should you be exerting? You said not max effort, but are you in 80, 90%? Yeah, we, we never train, we never train at a hundred percent effort Okay. because one is too, it's, it's too dangerous. And even if I'm working with like a track athlete and this sounds counterintuitive, but a hundred percent is actually slower than 95%. Why? Because if you if, if your mind thinks 100%, your your body tightens up. Huh. And you get too much tension. Interesting. So yeah. so as 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 intense as sprinting is, it's also very relaxed. So often you will run your fastest times when you relax. And the perceived level, the perceived level of, of intensity may be slightly less than 100%. My fastest 100 meter I ever ran, I, I felt like I jogged. I was like, oh, my God, that was a terrible time. I won the race. And it's because I relaxed. I relaxed. Right. The tense races where I was uh, I was super tight, Sure. Um, I ran terrible or I almost injured myself. So we, you, we don't want to teach people to – you know, it's almost like doing the kettlebell swing. Like if somebody tries to swing at 100%, it actually looks uglier than if they swing at 80%. Or ninety percent. Why? Because there's more relaxation. When there's more relaxation, there's more speed. So okay. that it, 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 it's. I think kettlebell athletes will understand that. Yeah. Because you know, I should be able to run seventy, eighty, ninety percent, and still be able to be somewhat relaxed. Right. But again, that that's a skill. Relaxation while 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 sprinting is a skill. Right. But it, but 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 it is the answer, and it is the thing to do. So once you once you've gotten out of the ten to twenty to thirty, I mean, really, we are, we may get up to forty meters, maybe fifty meters, maybe max sixty meters. There's really no need for a non-competitive track and field athlete to run more than sixty meters, unless you just want to see what your hundred meter time is, and you're really? just kind of competing against yourself. Um, but and there's no sports that really require you to run you know, 200 meters or 400 meters okay. other than the actual track events. All right. So typically your, your bread and butter is going to be between 10 and 40 meters. And that's, you know, that's, but, but that's still a lot of work, Scott. It's still, you know, sometimes the shorter the distances, you'd be surprised how fried your nervous system gets. I mean, it, it, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's a different deal, but it is yeah. safer. So, uh, but, but most of the, if you wanted to do longer work, and maybe that's we can we can talk about this later. But the longer work is more well, it's, it's what we call tempo running, and tempo running is is our version of aerobic running. Okay. And tempo running is where we build our volume. We don't build our volume with tens, twenties, and thirties. And the reason we don't is because it's just too intense, right? Okay. You don't you don't do you don't do a ten thousand swing challenge uh, with the beast because it's not sustainable. Right. 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 It's just too heavy. <laughs> Same thing with sprinting. You don't do ten thousand. 10 meter sprints. It's just, it's, it'll just fry it. So we use tempo running, which is like maybe between a hundred meters and 200 meters, but that's like 70%. And it doesn't fry your nervous system. So you get out into a sprint, but it's totally relaxed. There's no tension. You're not really going that fast. That's, that's where, that's where sprinters build volume. That's where they build endurance. Okay. And that's, 
that's maybe where like like if you really got into sprinting, I would say, okay, you have an acceleration day, but yeah. then you have a tempo day, and your tempo days where you can build like running specific, sprint specific fitness. So you can build some, you know, some mitochondria, you know, capacity right. without frying your nervous system. Yeah. Because you will Makes fry sense. your nervous system if you sprint too much. You will absolutely right. fry it. It, it, it. You know. So so less is more. That's probably what I would say to you and anybody listening. If you're if you're starting sprinting, less is more. Okay. More isn't always better. <laughs> All right. So you talked about kind of the 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 range being ten to forty meters. How many bouts would someone do? How many sprints would they do within that range? Again, assuming mechanics are, are solid after yeah, maybe yeah. a couple of weeks of sprint yeah. training. So, so what I would typically do is we would start uh, with like 10 yards or 10 meters. Let's just say 10 meters. Okay. And you would do maybe four to five 10-meter sprints with a minute recovery in between. And the rule of thumb usually is for every 10 meters you add, you, you add an additional minute of rest. Because remember, this is not endurance training. This is, I mean, this is speed training. This is acceleration work. The faster you move your body, the harder it is on your nervous system. Right. So we know that the nerve cell, I mean, I know exactly what it is. It's like six to seven times longer to recover than a, than a muscle cell. Yeah. So trying to get, you know, all those high threshold motor fibers to turn on at the same time is exhausting to your nervous system. You do a couple 10-meter sprints, you're not going to be sore. Your muscles aren't wasted. Not at all. Your nerves are fried. Yes. Your nerves are fried. Right. So again, that's why I say this is more neural. But yeah. as you and I know, what controls your muscular system? Your nervous system. Right. So we're, this is this is higher brain center stuff. And this is where I think a lot of research in the future is going to be done. It's got to be, you know, we, we have to study the neural benefits, especially with aging people, especially with aging people. Aging yeah. people need to do fast stuff. And huh. it's the opposite. You do the opposite of the Asian people. Okay. So hmm. you would start with 10s. You maybe do 510s, 420s, maybe three 30 meters, and then maybe have like 240s, and that's the workout. Okay. Maybe it's like, that's it. That's your workout. But these are like, you know, 80 to 90% sprints, 85 yeah. to 90%, not 100%. But they're fast enough to where, woo, you, you need to take a break. So again, with 10 meters, it'd be a minute rest. 20 meters, you know, roughly, again, if somebody's running a 10-second 40-meter, they don't need much rest, right? Right. I mean, if you're running, the slower the athlete is, the less rest they need. Right. They may rest 30 seconds. It's just not really taxing their nervous system. Yeah. The faster you are, the longer you will rest. Yeah. Longer you will rest. Huh. Because that just means you got more out of your body. Here's what I did when I've done sprinting in the past is, you know, I would run maybe 50 meters, 50 yards um, and walk back and then start over. So that walk back was kind of my rest time. And I would run maybe five to eight rounds like that. And I would do it once a week. And, um, you know, again, this is again, I have no idea about my mechanics. I mean, this is me just kind of going in an open field and doing some some warm up, some stretching and then and then doing some sprints. And I I noticed, though, that I always felt amazing when I did that on a regular basis. And then so that's number one is how good I, I felt doing sprinting on a once weekly basis. And number two is the fat loss. I mean, like you already mentioned, you look at any sprinter and you look at how they're built. It's just unbelievable for fat loss. So that's kind of like my go-to when I want to reduce body fat is start sprinting. Cause I, it, it seems great. like, at least for me, it seems like there's almost nothing like sprinting for fat loss. <laughs> exactly. And, um, I, I would, I, I'd say that your protocol is probably pretty good. It, you, you, with that protocol, because of you're not really taking a super long rest, yeah. You're probably entering a little bit more of an aerobic zone. So it's okay. sprinting, but it's submaximal. Yeah. And it um again, it's a great way to lose body fat. I, I mean, obviously not really good for overweight people because it yeah. might be it's a little too hard on their joints. Um, but uh, the faster you run that you would not be able to sustain the walk back. So you actually okay. did a little bit more what, what I call tempo. Okay. I mean, you probably got out and do a pretty good sprint. But if you, I mean, if you had got ninety five percent on every one, you probably would not sustain the ninety five percent for eight, for eight rounds of that, or eight, okay. you know, eight. Yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, even if it was eighty percent, I mean, your heart rate's probably up at one sixty the whole time. Right. It's, it's high. 
Right. It's super, super high. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that, assuming that your mechanics are good, I see no problem with that. Um, you know, just, just as using, you know, using sprinting as a means for fat loss is great. So again, but the prerequisite being that, that you want the sprinting to help your body rather than hurt it. Obviously you yeah. know, you're very fit, yeah. you're very strong, you're very aware of how to move and a very accomplished athlete. Somebody like you is going to be able to, to really get away with that. Um, just because you know how to move your body. Somebody who's new to sprinting, I would not have them do, I wouldn't have them start off with, uh, with 50 meters. Right. Um, I, and I, I, even like 20 to 30 is enough. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But right. yeah, but it's great. I mean, yeah, there's no, yeah, there's not really any rules on that. I mean, that, 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 that is a nice distance. Yeah. For loss. It's very good. Yeah. I mean, you know, believe me, there's definitely things I've learned, mistakes I've made already just in this conversation, but I just wanted to share kind of my own no, 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 protocol, no, no, not no, being a sprint expert no, or anything no. like that. But, um, all right. So let me ask you this. So you did talk about, um, avoiding injuries and, you know, not doing top speed and, um, you know, making sure that the mechanics are correct and how that helps to avoid injuries. What, what else do you recommend as far as pre sprinting? So what kind of, I, I think the thought is, you know, stretch out a lot and joint mobility. Is it correct to do that? Or what do you recommend prior to doing these sprint bouts? You know, it, I think it really depends on the needs of the person or okay. the needs of the athlete. Um, you know, I know people really are down on static stretching and it may not be the best thing to do before yeah. sprinting. Um but, you know, like an hour ahead, I mean, if, if you have an athlete that's just unbelievably tight, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with a little bit of static stretching or PNF stretching just to take some of the, the tone out of the muscle. Because, I mean, if you're walking around and you're just so – you have like too much tone in your body, you're just like, ugh. Yeah. And you're like already partially contracted. It's like you're not going to sprint well. Right. Like if your muscle fibers are already like basically contracted, that's not good. So, yeah, you don't want to have low tone in your muscles because then that's also dangerous as well. So with that kind of person who just tends to be on the tighter side, a little bit of uh, like like contract, relax stretching is good. You know, if they have a partner where they can kind of press into a partner, relax, contract, relax. I think that's a great way to get some quick changes in the nervous system to see some range of motion. Again, you don't need excessive range of motion to sprint. So you don't right. need like math. Yeah, you just need you need what you need and really nothing more. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, and then I mean, I think the actual mechanic works where you're doing like these high knees and butt kickers or what are called a drills, like walking a's, marching a's, skipping a's, running a's, um, the b's and the c's, all these all these different drills. You know, I, I always like putting in rolling, a lot of primal move stuff, crawling. I mean, it is good to sprint with it with a, a kind of a higher body temperature. Okay. I think it's safer. Um, I also just think that you, you, you kind of ramp up your nervous system gradually instead of just saying, all right, you're going to sprint as fast as you can. I mean, that, that, that for most people is not a prudent way to go, especially if they're, especially if they're competing. Yeah. Although I will say that every now and then I like to have some of my clients or even me to just do random periodic bouts of sprinting in the middle of the city. Like imagine you're like Jason Bourne or James Bond. And I often <laughs> do that. Like I'll be, yeah. you know, I got to climb up eight stories to a building. And I'll sprint as fast as I can up the stairs. I'm dead by the time I get up. But yeah. it, you also want the ability to kind of turn on sprinting when you need it. Because if you know if you got knocked down in the street and the car's coming, you're not going to say, well, let me warm up a little bit. Right. You, you do need to be able to turn on your body at will. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, that's not going to happen every day. So <laughs> in general, when you're training and you have a structured program, you okay. should do some type of warm up. Definitely. Okay. So it sounds like more any type of dynamic mobility is kind of where it's at. Yeah, well, you know, and, and kind of erring on the side of caution, like don't go for extreme ranges. Like like we do a lot of leg swing stuff where you might get against a fence or a wall and you're just yeah. swinging your legs side to side, opening up the hips. But you're not going for like ballerina, uh, you know, flexibility. I mean, you don't see ballerinas winning uh, – you know, sprint races. <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah, it's just exactly warm up the body. If you have excessive tone in your body, take some of it out. Um, but in general, I like the actual mechanics where we work on the mechanics because that is a it's a sprint specific warm up that actually works on on the actual movements that you need to do during the sprint cycle. So that's that's usually what I do, and that's what I recommend. Okay. okay. All right, I kind of have to ask you this, but um, thoughts on barefoot sprinting. 
I'm okay with it on sand and grass, but I'm, I actually don't think it's a very good idea for the most part. And the reason I don't is because if you hit a piece of glass or a rock going at, you know, 20 miles an hour, I mean, the impact on your foot is really bad. Yeah. It really hurts. So I think wearing the most minimal type of shoe that your that your body and foot can tolerate is probably smarter just from a safety perspective. Yeah, I know sure. maybe Primal Man and I, I'm all about Primal. My company yeah. is Primal Speed, right? <laughs> However, I, I, we, we also have to live in the confines of safety sure. And, and, sure. and not killing people. Yep. And most people really don't have, especially people that have been wearing shoes their whole life, they don't they don't have the tissue quality or the foot integrity to handle the forces that sprinting are doing anyway. They don't even walk well. Right. So to take that person and make them sprint barefoot, it's not it's not a great idea. I mean, if somebody grows up on the beach playing beach soccer and they on grass, I have no problem on grass. I think actually people should run barefoot on grass. I think it feels good. Okay. Um, and it's just a nice way to build up your foot muscles. But again, I'm I'm more of a kind of a like a like a less is more guy. Yes, we don't want to wear the big chunky shoes. Don't don't wear the big Nike shocks, and they just never wear those. Those are, those are terrible. But we can't be so dogmatic about you know that barefoot's the only way to go. And I'm a barefoot guy. I love training barefoot, and I actually do some barefoot running. I, I, I mean, okay. I'm not large amounts of volume, but I'll I'll run 20 minutes on grass as like a nice little jog just okay. to get my feet going. And but I, I don't really sprint barefoot especially not at the track and i really don't on grass i usually wear like a new balance minimus i like my vivo barefoots uh, again i'm not married to any one shoe i think you got to find what shoe works for you and fits your body okay but in general the most minimal shoe you can tolerate is probably the shoe that you want to sprint in do you like Vibram for sprinting or yeah if you're yeah, doing I, that again it's a barefoot shoe but it has protection yeah it at least it, it, at least there's a barrier between your skin right and and like a like a razor blade or something or like a rock i mean this stuff happens i mean i don't want yeah. to talk about it but it does sure i mean you're sprinting ah and you yeah. get like a like, like you know and then you're done for weeks yeah, yeah and that's so, what, yeah. exactly so what you don't want like yeah if you can handle a barefoot shoe i think that's fine the thing with the vibrams like the five fingers though is that i wouldn't if you if you haven't done sprinting you're going to get sore anyway just because you haven't done it. Right. Don't – I wouldn't start off with the Vibrams. It might be a little too much. Sure. I mean, that makes really sense. It's really going to keep you on your toes and you could just fry out your calves like really, really <laughs> bad. So I'd say yeah. be, be somewhat conservative with it. Definitely. All right. All right, Franz. Let's talk about the Primal Speed certification. Can you can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so, so my vision with that is um, I have I, – we have user courses that are geared towards people that really don't have any ambition to coach it. They just want to know how to do it, which okay. is great. But the certification is geared towards personal trainers or coaches that want to have the knowledge and the framework to say, listen, I like sprinting. I don't know how to coach it. I don't know how to program it. I don't know the mechanics. I want to be able to take clients, groups, and safely get them through sprinting because, I mean, it, it – it, it's a, it's a great form of exercise. It's a fun form of movement. So the certification is all geared on, one, getting the coach to physically be able to do it themselves. Um, it's not a prerequisite that they have to be like a world-class sprinter at all. In fact, they can have zero sprint background. Mm-hmm. But I need them to understand the mechanics in their own body so that yeah. they can coach. It's, a, you know, it's like a kettlebell swing. If you've never done a swing, I don't want you teaching me how to do the swing. Right. Just don't. You, yeah. don't, you don't understand it in your own body. Sure. Same thing with sprinting. You don't have to be a world-class sprinter. But you do have to understand physics, and you have to understand the foundational reasons why we work on mechanics, why we start with the arms, why we start with the hands, why it's important that we get very um, – that we're really – kind of diligent about teaching people to land underneath the body with the foot. So it's that, I, I think it's the first certification of its type that's geared towards making sprinting a more viable option for people to move. And I'm excited by it, and I, I'm, I'm not going to stop till it's just total world domination because nice. I think, yeah, I mean, you know, being fast is fun. Yeah. And you, I yeah. mean, you should at least be able to run 20 or 30 meters. You don't have to run 100 meters. Yeah. But you should know how to sprint safely. Yeah. 
And um, that's what the certification is. We're trying to bring sprinting back into – and I don't know if it ever left. I don't think it ever left. But we're trying to – we're trying to make it more of a, 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 a of a legitimate form of movement, which it is. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love watching sprint? It's awesome. Right. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. So, so I want to build an army of coaches that just take this information and then they start running with it. And you know, rather than just making people run more, I I really don't think it's I don't I don't think it's healthy, Scott. Yeah. There are very few people that are that are genetically predisposed and set up for running marathons. And those that do, they know who they are, and they love marathons, and they have the bodies and handle it. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Right. But NFL guys are pretty big; they can sprint. Yeah. They weigh three fifty. They can still sprint at yeah. least ten, fifteen meters. Right. So sprinting can actually be done by pretty big people. Yeah. Um. And I get a lot of coaches say, "Yeah, you're crazy. You're just stupid certification. You're going to kill people." I'm like, "Well, first of all, no, I'm not." I don't injure people at the search because we don't really do a lot of sprinting. We do a lot of mechanics. We do a yeah. lot of acceleration work. Right. And then we get into medicine ball training. Uh, part of the cert, we go over uh, we go over jumping. Okay. And I think jumping is another form of power that people need to do. Again, it's a form of movement. You should be able to jump. And jumping rarely is the problem, Scott. It's landing. Okay. So I start with landing. I don't teach people to jump. I, I, I teach people to land. Anybody can jump to some degree, but can you land? So the certification, there's basically four pillars. And the pillars are uh, like the first pillar is basically – it's basically like movement. Like can you move? Like do, like do you have enough movement to even like move your ankle? So, so, so pillar one is movement skills. And under movement skills is warming up in all three dimensions, a little bit of FMS, functional movement screen stuff. I love primal move as a way to restore mobility and stability and coordination. Yeah. The drills would go in there and then barefoot running if appropriate. That, that, that all goes under movement skills, and that's what we cover in the cert. Pillar number two, that's when we get into what, what I call rapid force production. The second pillar is all about acceleration and starts, and this is where the real fun starts. And that's when we go over starting from different positions. We start from a push-up position. We start on the back. We make you roll. We get you used to starting from movement where you're actually kind of rolling forward as you start. And then we have something called hard starts, which are basically where you're at an absolute standstill like in the starting blocks or like at the start of a uh, of like a line in the ground. And you have to start from a dead stop. So we – and it's all of that is under this pillar and including deceleration. Can you decelerate? Uh, can you cut and change directions? That's very important. It may not be appropriate for everybody, but it's good to know. And this is what we coach at the cert. I want, I want these primal speed coaches to know how to teach jumping, the basics of jumping, hopping, leaping, you know, hopping is going from one foot to one foot. Yeah. Leaping is going from one foot to the other foot. Jumping is jumping on two feet. Yeah. Uh, and within that is medicine ball training. So all of those go under pillar two, okay. which is rapid force production. Just okay. how do we produce force rapidly? It, pillar one, number two. one quick question. Is standing yeah. long jump, is that that's included then? A standing uh, long jump? Yeah. No. I, don't, I mean we, we actually do – we do depth jumps. I don't call it a standing long jump. But yeah, it, it's something similar to a, a standing long jump. But we actually jump in all sorts of directions. Okay. We jump I was just curious. Jump, yeah. So okay. That, that, but that is great, though. That, I mean, yeah. if you have the skill to do that, then I, 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 I highly recommend that. Uh, and then pillar three is tempo training. And that's, that's our aerobic system development. Because the problem with just doing 10s, 20s, and 30s is that you really never develop a robust aerobic system. And I think that's where a lot of sprinters or anaerobic athletes are kind of missing the boat, is that we do need some general aerobic training. Yeah. And that's, that, that's where the tempo training comes in. And that's where we may do anywhere from 1,000 meters to 4,000 meters of tempo running. So I might do hundreds. I might do 10 hundreds and work my way up over a month to 20 hundreds. But it's done it. It's submaximal. Right? Okay. It's, not, it's not super fast. Sure. It's at 70%. Okay. So if I run, if I run an 11 second in the, in, in the 100 meter, I would run probably a 15 or 16 second hundred, right? It's that much slower. Okay. So it's, I, I'm still sprinting. I'm still working on my mechanics, but I but but my heart rate's not going to get as high, and I'm developing more of the aerobic capacity. So that's our version of aerobic training. That's pillar three, and the last pillar 
is max velocity training. And that's basically 60 meters plus upwards to 200 and 400 meters. We don't, I go over it, we don't do it at the certification. Because frankly, most people have no business doing it unless you're a competitive track athlete. Okay, okay. So, so, so those are the four pillars. That's it. It's Fantastic. pillar one, movement skills, rapid force production, tempo training, and max velocity training. And that's, that's all. And that's all covered in in the one day certification. That's the cert. yep. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Where, where do people go to find out about the certification and register and uh, all that kind of stuff? Well, I've got a, I've got a website right now called primalspeed.net, so they can just go there and uh, you know we're we're posting more and more certs all the time. Um, just got back from uh, Budapest, Hungary, where I did a sprinting cert with Peter Lakatos. Yeah. And that was that was a blast working with a bunch of athletes in Europe and coaches and Krav Maga guys. And, and they loved it. I mean, they absolutely just ate this stuff up. They just ate it up. Oh, that's fantastic. So, yeah, yeah, it was a blast. Uh, let me ask you just one question about this. So you have your primal speed and then – but then you also have um, your primal move national instructor – teaching okay primal move velocity yeah. is is that the same or is that are there differences you know it's, it, it's it's very similar as far as the sprinting but i've i've tweaked my primal speed cert and i've I basically i've i've kind of the analogy i would use is okay so you you're familiar with the fms right yes well the fms came up with a ck fms for for kettlebellers, right. RKCs and SFG, right. right? Right. So, but but it's still the FMS. Yes, gotcha. It's still the same, right? So I've taken my primal speed and I've tweaked it for primal movers. Okay. So all the terminology, everything is based on the foundational work. So I'm not really teaching much different stuff, but I've tweaked it a bit to speak the language of primal movers. Sure. Okay, so, that makes sense. And, yeah, and, that, and that we're clarifies. We're doing a little bit different drills just because of the nature of what primal move is. Sure. Which is, you know, so there's more games. There's more. It's more along the flavor of primal move. And I know you've done a primal move course. Yes. Or cert. Yeah. So it's but but <clears throat> but the sprinting aspect is very similar because because sprinting is sprinting. Okay. All so, right. Yeah. So, I just so, want to make sure that I understood the the. Yeah. Uh, the difference is there. Yeah, but similar material, but just but but in order to be primal move velocity certified, you cannot take that certification unless you've gone through primal move fundamentals. Right? So that right. certification is only available to certified primal move coaches, right? Yeah. So people yeah. that aren't certified, they wouldn't be able to take it. They could take my primal speed cert. Okay. Right? You're right. So it's just different. It's different. Okay. And just to refresh again, so primal speed is more for more geared for the, the trainer. Um, someone that wants to coach sprinting as opposed to just the, the recreational sprinter or, well, yeah, I mean, or both. Yes. But I want to be very, very clear that the certification, yes, I'm trying to produce coaches, but I'm trying to produce coaches that are going to take this stuff to the masses. And that's where there has never been anything like this because everything is geared towards a very specific sport towards sprinters or towards football athletes. Yeah. So the yeah, the primal move cert is for coaches, but I'm getting non-coaches as well. I'm getting people that just want to get certified because they just want to know how to you know how to sprint. Right. Um right. people that have no ambition to take a certification, they could take one of my courses. Sure. And so there's a difference. There's a course which is kind of just a, like a like a like a lighter version um, where we, we don't go over maybe as many of the drills. We don't go over as many of the cutting and the jumping, but it's still the same bread and butter. It's just for somebody who doesn't really want to get certified. They don't have any am, am, ambition to teach it. Right. right. But, but I'm trying to create a coaches that want to teach sprinting yeah. that actually say, listen, this is a, 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 a legitimate form of movement that I want to teach. And it's, a, and, 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 and it's a whole nother branch of business for people. Right. Because there really aren't any sprint coaches for normal people. Sure. There are. Yeah. Name one. Me. I think I'm the only one. <laughs> well, this is awesome, man. This is really exciting. And I'm really excited for you and, and Primal Speed and, and the vision of where this is going in the future. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so – in as we wrap up here, I, I get. Let me ask you: Is there anything that you'd like to say about primal speed that I didn't ask already? I, I feel like I asked a lot. I, I know personally, you've answered a lot of my questions about sprinting, and I feel like this was kind of like a little uh, mini course all about sprinting, man. So I got a lot out of it. But yeah, uh, I mean, you know, you know, I would just say that um, you know, if it's something you have interest in, you know, you definitely it's 
it's almost like if people go to YouTube and they watch uh, like kettlebell stuff, it's it's, yeah. it's never as good as as the real deal. Right. I'm a huge believer in in hands-on coaching. Obviously, if you don't have access to it, that's you know, I have a bunch of videos on my website, a bunch of tutorials that people can download and watch. Um, but nothing's better than getting. So I mean, if you can get to a primal speed course, yeah, or a certification, I highly recommend it. It's very affordable. Um, but this this is the next wave. It is. I'm telling you right now. This this is the other frontier that nobody's doing. Everybody thinks it's dangerous. People are saying I'm crazy. It's gonna. <laughs> I have. I don't injure people. Yeah. And I have yeah. people that have never spent in their lives that are jacked up. I have a tons of triathletes. They have Achilles tendonitis, ruptures, and by doing primal speed, they are going back to their distance running, and they are killing it because they've rewired nice. the way they run. They 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 are they were basically like reigniting people's careers again because they're they're learning the sprint. So I would say look at sprinting. If you have interest in doing it, it it is the real deal. It is the real deal. But there 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 is a learning curve. Sure. Like but everything it's else, something that yeah. you can sustain through a lifetime, and it, it, this may sound crazy. You can run 10, 20, 30 meters once a week for the rest of your life, and if and, and if you don't stop, you will be a better athlete. You will look better. Um, you will be more confident in your body, and you will be stronger. Yeah, sprinting builds mental toughness. It builds physical toughness. It, it, it's it's you know let's de-wussify the nation let's get people sprinting right I mean, de-wussify nice yeah let's be strong but yeah. let's be fast that's in right intelligent way fantastic well be sure to check out franz at primalspeed.net and get all the rest of the details and information around the courses that Franz offers. And I know that um, I'm actually going to do this course, Franz, you, you, you're coming down here in Florida in the fall, yes, I, I hope. Yes, I and yes, um, I will, uh, as soon as you have that date announced, I'll pencil that one in and I'll see you there. So awesome, thank you so much. And I'm really excited for you. I think it's going to be fantastic. I think you're right. This is a, uh, this is something no one else is doing. And that's why I wanted to get you on this podcast and, and share this message with the listeners out there. So thank you so much, Franz. And, um, I hope to talk to you again soon. Okay. Thanks Scott. You got it. Take care. Well, I hope you got a lot of value out of that great interview with Franz. I mean, he really explained everything about sprint training. I don't need to go into anything else because he pretty much covered it. I mean, he really explained everything about sprinting. And if you want more information, definitely head over to primalspeed.net and check out his website. Franz has articles and videos there and, and more information. And he's really looking to build this into something special. And I, I think it will be. And I'm so excited for him. Uh, you know, right now, Franz is actually training uh, professional surfer Jamie Sterling. And he Franz sent me some pictures of him training Jamie doing these sprint techniques and getting the mechanics down and all that. I just think it's awesome. I, I, I think it's, it's so exciting. And I think that there's so much value in sprinting as we discussed in this episode. And, you know, I have not done any formal sprint training myself, but I have done sprinting as part of my regimen. And I talked about the benefits of that in the interview. So I'm already a believer in sprinting. I think it's an incredible uh, training method, but I am really interested to learn about getting the mechanics down right. And I can definitely relate with that because kettlebells is the same way, right? I mean, you need to have your mechanics down to get the most from the exercises and to do the exercises safely. And I think from what we talked about in the interview, it's the same way with sprinting. So that is really, really cool and really exciting. So uh, again, I'll post uh, links for uh, Franz's connections in the show notes for this episode. If you could do me a favor and leave a quick review in iTunes, that would be fantastic. It'll take you a minute or two to do that. And I'm really working to build this podcast into something. So the reviews certainly help. If you could do that, that'd be greatly appreciated. And one final thing as I'm signing off here, I just wanted to take a minute and thank the phenomenal group of people that just finished the shock and awe protocol with me during this past month. We had a group on Facebook on the fan page and we all went through the shock and all protocol, a four week double kettlebell training program together. You guys, if you're listening, you know who you are and I really want to say thank you. I appreciate your engagement and participation in the program and I hope that you got outstanding benefit from it. I know it was incredibly challenging this month and uh, but I hope that you were able to reap the benefits 
of what the program was designed to do. And then there's also hidden benefits of the program as well, you know, mainly being one of the big things is mental toughness, right? And the ability to complete such a grueling training program like that. So you should pat yourself on the back and I congratulate you for completing the program and thank you again so much for your engagement and, uh, and completing it. So this was really a blast and thanks again. So this is Scott until next time I will see you on the Ardella training podcast. Thanks for listening. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Ardella Training Podcast. Be sure to go to ArdellaTraining.com to get your free copy of the Shock and Awe Protocol and other valuable bonuses. Become part of the new breed of fitness enthusiasts at ArdellaTraining.com. Train strong, train safe, and we'll see you next time on the Ardella Training Podcast.